If you want to make an audiobook, go to thetalkingbook.org. That's thetalkingbook.org. Check out these amazing writers, narrators, indie publishers. Come to Asheville. We record books in a booth. Here's the show. Hello, Chris Hartram here from the Talking Book Podcast. I don't know if you remember me. It's been a while. Uh, It's been a while since I've talked to you on the Talking Book Podcast because things got a little crazy in June. Um, You know, Daddy got married to Danny Harris, uh, who is now Danny Hartram. I'm Chris Hartram. She's Danny Hartram. So yes, you know, just as I've told you, consider this piece of meat officially off the market. I'm sorry, ladies, okay? I'm sorry, dudes, okay? Um, I'm just kidding. I said that last time. This piece of meat is off the market. It's just a fun phrase to say when you say that out loud. It's really silly. Anyway, um, enough of that. I'm really excited about today's reading because I have Jordan Castro, whose work I've liked for a very long time, and I asked Jordan to read from his debut novel uh, for the show, and he was kind enough to do that. Jordan Castro is the author of two poetry books and the former editor of the New York Tyrant magazine. Um, He's from Cleveland, Ohio. His debut novel is called The Novelist. In the book, we follow a young man over the course of a single morning as he tries and fails to write an autobiographical novel, finding himself instead drawn into the infinite spaces of Twitter, quotidian rituals, and his own mind. Um, But I think you're going to like the reading. The book is immediately funny, immediately interesting, relentless and witty, and uh, it's definitely uh, got a lot of heart as well. So I hope you get this book. I demand you get this book. Um, I'll leave links in the show notes. But in the meantime, enjoy this reading of Jordan Castro's debut novel entitled The Novelist. Hello, this is Jab Adamrad. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know what I'm talking about? Jab Adam. Hello, this is Jab Adamrad. Or whatever. All right. From Radio Lab. All right, this is Jordan Castro. I'm reading an excerpt from my debut novel, The Novelist. The tea was the perfect temperature as I sipped and sat down greeting the mild warmth with my mouth and throat, brightening the screen and maximizing the internet, which presented itself to me the way I'd left it, with my novel pulled up and no other tabs open. I read the first few sentences too quickly, then read them again. My brain was buzzing. I felt like I was wearing a backpack, the sentences squeezing my shoulders and pulling me down. I read some sentences again, hating them, despairing over their tense and point of view, realizing with horror that all of the words looked inexcusably hideous, clunking up against each other clumsily, making no real sense. The first few sentences of my novel were an unbearable atrocity. I quickly opened a new tab, went to Twitter, exited Twitter, went to Gmail, exited Gmail, then opened a new Google Doc. I moved the cursor into a box that said untitled and typed novel first person, deleted that and typed novel, deleted that and typed nov, deleted that and typed novel first person. I copy and pasted my novel into the new document. 
I began manually changing the perspective, each he to I, him to me, his to mine. But after the first four sentences, I paused, took two sips, then one large gulp of tea, and realized, due to the familiar chalkiness and strangely textured mouthfeel of the gulp, that I had reached the end. I glanced into the mug to confirm, then stood and made my way toward the counter. The French press, in theory, contained 32 ounces of liquid, 2.65 mugs worth, but in reality, it contained closer to 2.3. The discrepancy was due to how many tea leaves I used, the mass of which created its own approximately 4.4 ounce layer at the bottom of the French press. So, anticipating the amount that would be left over, I filled my mug from the French press at the counter and drank three large sips while standing there then topped off my mug with what was left, approximately 0.3 ounces, thinking, top it off, top it off, top it off, imagining myself in a rap music video, surrounded by floating money and shaking butts, drinking tea. I greedily sipped the tea, still the perfect temperature, as I made my way toward the table, spine preemptively hunched in anticipation of putting the mug down and sitting, which I did, then rubbed my eyes, sat up straight, exhaled loudly, and continually, continued manually changing the tense of my novel. After what felt like 10 minutes, but was actually only three, I read what I had changed so far and stopped. It didn't sound nearly as good in first person. Perhaps the sentences, which had sounded so good, I realized now, in third person, were dependent on the breathy H and the stern-sounding M and E of him and he, and did not translate well to the first person, I. Distractedly, I recalled an article I'd half read, or was it a quote I'd seen on Twitter, about how first person present tense had been historically viewed as less literary. I struggled to think of any books written in the first person present tense that weren't written by Brett Easton Ellis. Chilly Scenes of Winter by Anne Beattie was in the third person present tense, I considered unhelpfully. First person present tense, Celine? I'd only read around 100 pages of Death on the Installment Plan, which I couldn't remember anything about, except that maybe it had been written in first-person present tense. I rested my hands on the base of my laptop and recalled with a shudder the time I'd told Lee and another friend, an academic and a memoirist, who'd once confided in me that he thought Celine was, quote, the greatest novelist of all time, end quote that I had copied the entirety of Less Than Zero by Brady Stanellis, word for word in a document, in an attempt to learn the style. We were at dinner and I had wanted to impress them. This did not impress them. It was also a lie. I hadn't actually copied the whole thing, just some pages, though I'd intended to copy the whole thing. The academic and memoirist had said, really? Then said he didn't like Brady Stanellis. Damn, I was recording this earlier and I was like, I told Nicolette how when I was like saying Brett Easton Ellis over and over again, I remembered how she um, used to think his name was like Brett Easton Ellis, like two words like that, like Brett Easton Ellis. And then when I asked her how, um, I asked her if she really thought that she was just like, yeah, I like hadn't really thought too much about him. But it sounds like that, saying it over, over and over again. Um, where was I? Anyway, yeah, I wanted to do a quip, but then I was like, now I'm doing a kind of 
MetaQuip. Um, the academic and memoirist had said, really? Then said he didn't like Brett Easton Ellis. I said something about, quote, just liking the style, end quote, trying my best to conceal my then admiration for Brett Easton Ellis. I remembered, too, that my boss had once made fun of Hunter S. Thompson for copying the great Gatsby word for word and felt embarrassed for having thought that this was something worth doing, let alone lying about. Sitting at my kitchen table, I refocused my eyes on my novel. It sucked. I tried to think of a book to model my novel after, but couldn't. When people learned to play the guitar, they learned other people's songs first before they wrote their own. What made this any different? Feeling self-conscious and adrenaline-filled, like a novice bank robber backing away from the teller, I began changing my novel from present to past tense. There were plenty of novels in first-person past tense, I considered, which would make it easier to find one to study and would allow for more stylistic choices. I changed is to was, feeling hopeful. I wanted my first novel to be taken seriously. I thought of my friend who had said that he didn't trust third-person writing and felt confident now. He would trust my now first-person past tense book. Many people will like my book now that it is in first-person past tense, I rejoiced. I took a sip of tea. Finally, my novel was coming along. After reworking the entire first paragraph, nearly a page, I read what I had changed so far of my novel. It was undoubtedly worse than before. It wasn't clear why or from where the story was being told. Everything felt less active. But it wasn't less active, I considered. First person was the perspective of choice, of deliberative interpretation, of action. In first person, there were stakes. First person was, in the end, the perspective of life. Life was lived in the present tense, interpreted in the past tense, with an eye toward the future tense, but always in first person. This was one major difference between literature and life, I considered. While reading a novel, one could inhabit another first-person consciousness without the usual burden of first-personal deliberation. In this way, the defining feature of first-person perspective was removed, so one could suspend their own first-person consciousness with all its active doubts and decisions and take on another momentarily. However, I considered sitting at my kitchen table, touching my face, if deliberative interpretation was what characterized the first-person perspective of life, and it was removed from the first-person perspective of literature, there is really nothing fundamentally first-personal about it. First-person was, in literature, I thought, the same as third-person. Both were fundamentally third-personal, and so both of my novel documents were actually exactly the same. Stressed, I closed the tab containing my new first-person past-tense novel, then opened a new tab and clicked Twitter. I closed Twitter and scrolled down to an arbitrary place in my original novel and began reading. Fuck. Fuck, I whispered, nodding my head up and down, then rolling it back, staring up at the ceiling. I pushed my tongue between my teeth and clamped down. I looked at my novel. The end of the second paragraph on the page that I had scrolled to had a nice cliffhanger-style ending, when Calvin is sitting in his study with a hippie kid he worked with named Fingers, who had just begun talking about, quote, blowing someone's face off, end quote. But there were four more paragraphs below it, so I pressed the return key until the four paragraphs were on their own page, 
a new chapter. Short chapters were the only aspect of my novel I felt comfortable about. Everything about most novels seemed oppressive. I didn't want my novel to oppress anyone. Short chapters weren't oppressive. I scrolled down to the new chapter and read the first two sentences. The two sentences explained that to, quote, blow someone's face off, end quote, meant to blow a large quantity of pure LSD from the palm of your hand into another person's face, causing them to lose their personality. The sentences sounded fine, but the fact that the novel was in third-person present tense made everything feel lifeless and thin. What was I going to do? There seemed to be something buzzing behind my face, thick liquid oozing through my skull, through my shoulders and neck, encasing my brain. No matter how badly I wanted to calmly and methodically work on my novel, whatever thoughts I needed, wherever they came from, got stuck in this goo casing and couldn't get through to my brain. The only things already inside the casing were distressingly cyclical thoughts about the point of view and tense of my novel. Discouraged by my spastic, unproductive behavior, I decided to reorient myself by sending some emails. Perhaps completing a small task would ground me and encourage more confident, decisive action. I opened Gmail. Lee had emailed me again. Fuck off, the email said simply. You just listened to Jordan Castro reading from his debut novel, The Novelist. It's out now from Soft Skull Press. Came out on June 14th. Go get it. Get it wherever you can. Get it whenever you can. Thanks so much to the author, Jordan Castro, for this great reading. And again, go get the print. Go get the audiobook. It's narrated by Eddie Lopez. The Talking Book is an audiobook recording studio in Asheville, so you can hit us up at thetalkingbook.org for more readings like this or if you want to record your audiobook. But anyway, go get the novelist. My name is Chris Hartram who is a piece of meat that is unfortunately off the market. Uh, I'll see you next time. I love you. Thanks. Like a bishop who has forsaken sympathy Chasing sister squares I was lit before I knew that you were there Like an angel who has forsaken certainty Sleeping in the square I was lit before I knew the storm was past.